I want like a year of vacation, you know? I'm just waiting for December when I get my month, hopefully. It's been a hell of a year. What month is it? It'll be September when this is out. Yeah, like three more months. I can do a quarter. (laughs) I live my life one quarter at a time. Welcome to episode 362 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Black. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I'm looking at our notes. We have a packed episode. I think we should just jump in. Okay. All right, let's dig in. This week we are supported by Float. Marshall, every single person in this industry, more or less, is working remotely right now. And if they're working remotely, they probably should be using a tool like Float. Float lets you keep track of who's working on what and plan your team's time from anywhere. You can get an accurate view of your team's availability, capacity. You can set custom work days and hours. You can schedule status to let your team know where you're working from and so much more. Float helps make remote work so much easier. Go to float.com slash design details to learn more. Thank you, Float. Thanks, Float. Do you hear that sound, Brian? It's like it's like crickets. Uh, chirp, 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 chirp. Yeah, chirp, chirp. <laughs> um, this is normally where we would have our very important pixels read out, but uh, no pixels this time, Brian. No pixels. I, I, uh, so every week before we record, I go through my email and just look for all the email notifications about new subscribers, and there were none this week. So I'm like, oh, maybe there's a bug on Patreon side, and I went to Patreon, and no, it's been a quiet week. Uh, it sounds like we're complaining. It's not a big deal. But it's just interesting. This is our first like quiet week in a long, long time. I wonder if it's uh, end of summer. I don't know. Also, there's just like a lot of shit happening in the world. Uh, yeah. Uh, that maybe people are distracted by more important things. So. I think they uh, converted all of their participation into that poll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll get into the poll. It's trade-offs, right. Brian. Trade-offs. Well, no VIPs this week. But we do have a sponsor this week. We do. This week, we are supported by Webflow. Back again. It's been a long time since we uh, caught up with Webflow. But Webflow... It's like this tool that I learned about back in, oh, say, 2016, 2017. And back when I first saw it, I was like, oh, shit, this is cool, but it's super early. There's like a lot of obvious stuff that needs to get built. Well, Marshall, guess what? They've uh-huh. been building shit for like the last four years, and Webflow is insanely good. Webflow is a tool that gives designers the power of code in a visual interface. It lets you build whatever you want. Like anything you have in mind, you can build it on Webflow. You don't need an engineer. You don't need to know how to code. It maybe helps to know a little bit. But the point is, it's a visual interface that gives you the power of coding. Webflow's whole thesis is that designers are used to learning complex visual software like Sketch and Figma. But the problem is these tools that we're using every single day for hours and hours and hours, they just produce like a PNG. <laughs> like you can't use the Figma file, right? So that's the whole point of Webflow. It lets designers have the ability to turn their designs into something that customers can use. Creative agencies like IDEO and Remotion, design-led startups like Lattice and Petal, they all use Webflow because it gives their designers the power to build whatever they have in mind. If you are a designer and you want to make websites and you don't know how to code, but you got good designs, wait no longer. Go to designdetails.fm slash Webflow and you can learn more. Also, if you go to that link, it's going to get you 10% off an annual plan if you decide to sign up. 
Uh, but no pressure. Just go click around, learn about it. It is an incredibly powerful tool. And watching the things that people make with Webflow has been totally mind-blowing. They've come a long, long way since I first saw their demo. And I think everyone out there who's maybe been uh, sitting on the sidelines, it's time to check them out. Go to designdetails.fm slash Webflow. Thanks for supporting the show, Webflow. Thanks, Webflow. Anyways, if you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast. Uh, Every week, we include a special segment in each episode called The Sidebar. And if you want to hear that segment every week, just go to patreon.com slash design details. Your support directly helps us pay for all of our subscriptions, all of our software, and for all the time it takes to put the show out every single week. And so we appreciate everyone who's supported us so far, and we would appreciate if you've been enjoying the show, uh, supporting us as well. So that's at patreon.com slash design details, and it starts at just a dollar a month. Okay, a little bit of follow-up? Yeah, let's do some follow-up. Um, I have to apologize. So last week... We released the episode on Thursday. Normally, it comes out on Wednesdays, and it was my fault. I wasn't able to edit the episode fast enough. Um, I have a good reason for that. Um, My dog almost died, so I was dealing with that. Uh, So I don't feel too bad about being a little bit late on the episode. How dare you, Marshall? Yeah. uh, (laughs) Missing a day of the podcast to save your dog's life. Yeah, it was a good reason. But uh, this gives me an opportunity to to share with people something that I learned. So I've owned dogs for years, and I'm a big fan of animals in general, but I had no idea about this disease. So my dog has Addison's disease, which apparently is dormant until it's triggered. And, and it's, a, it's an adrenal gland thing. So dogs that can't produce enough cortisol, I think it is, when they're in a stressful situation can go into what's described as a, an Addisonian crisis, which is basically they become very lethargic, they uh, diarrhea and puke and have trouble eating, maybe become very thirsty and generally can't walk so all of these things happened to my dog. Um, we thought she had eaten something and had a stomach bug or something. That's why she wouldn't eat and why she was weak, because she wasn't eating. Long story short, at three in the morning, she was dying, breathing very heavily and and whimpering. We took her to the vet at the last second. The doctor told us that if we'd wait another hour, she would have died. So if you notice that your dog uh, has a little bit of trouble walking or is starting to get lethargic or isn't reacting in the same way, it might not be dog depression. It might not be that they ate something. It might actually be Addison's disease mm. presenting itself. So maybe this can save a dog's life out there. Uh, doggy PSA on today's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad Luna's okay. That's yeah. scary. Yep, yep, yep. It's nice to have my dog back. It was really scary there for a little bit. We also have some other cool. We also have some other. Fe- <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, uh, we also have some feedback on cool things from the last uh, couple weeks. So I recommend it, and they're, and they're all for me because I recommend the best cool things, obviously. So uh-huh. uh huh. I recommended Robert Parker last week as a as a musician for those who are listening, and we heard from both Ollie and Hillary that it was the kind of like the perfect music to not have words with and like write stuff to. So that's cool. Thanks for for writing in on that. And I heard from Andy, this is a DM, but I heard from Andy saying that he really enjoyed watching the uh, Survive the Hunt series that I recommended maybe a Uh couple weeks uh ago. Says a a very thrilling thing to watch, which I totally agree with. Uh, Marshall, why does everyone like your cool things more than my cool things? Uh, They've liked your cool things in the past. I've been jealous before. It's just my turn now. Well, I'm jealous today. You get all the cool things. (laughs) 
Uh, but those are some cool things. All right, last piece of follow-up. So we we ran a poll after last week's episode, and it was uh, two options. Would mm-hmm. you rather work on a product you love with a team that you do not love, or would you rather work on a product that you hate with the best team in the world? Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember what you said at the end of the last episode? What I your decision do. Would be here? I uh-huh. do. My top of the head, like first inclination response was, I think I'd rather work on a product I love with a bunch of jerks. Uh-huh. And boy, I'm on, I am in the minority, my dude. <laughs> like that did not. <laughs> so 757 votes later, uh, 9% of people agree with you. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, Marshall, do poll results like this make you change your mind or did it cause you to reflect and and switch teams here? Well, here, I'll give you the reasoning. I'm tempted to switch teams, but my reasoning for saying what I said was I get along with just about everybody. I don't make enemies or anything. And so like, even if I worked with jerks, I think the jerks would like me. I don't know. I thought I could get along okay. And, and I wouldn't have to worry about gaining the motivation every morning to get up and work on something that I didn't love. You know what I mean? So like the motivation would be there of like, yeah, I'm building an awesome product that I really like. Yeah. Maybe the people are jerks, but I think I could probably get through that aspect of it more than I could if I worked with a bunch of people that I love on something that I just have no interest in working on whatsoever. That was my reasoning. I I follow your logic. I think you are kind of skewing it because you have to assume that by the nature of being the worst team means you do not get along with them. So I don't think you can project out and say, oh, I think I could figure out how to get along with them. You have to assume in this scenario that you all just hate each other. Yeah. I I thought the responses here were interesting because, yeah, most people said product they hate with people they love. And a lot of people followed up saying, like, if the product sucks, but you love working with the people on it, you can make the product better. And it's really hard to do the inverse. Like, no, 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 no. If it's immutable the other direction, Brian, it has to be immutable this way as well. Like the, the product can't get better. It has to be the shittiest <laughs> product ever. Okay, okay. Well, if the product can't get better, then do you want to work on anything at all? Like what's the point? Well, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, okay, 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 okay. So, okay, okay, all right. So if the product can't get better, you have to live with the product forever. Like one product is, let's say a really high-pitched squeal that just comes out of people's computers. Yeah, like a fart um, app, right? Yeah. Like, you yeah, work yeah. on a fart app. Like, well, even yeah. that could be fun. Okay, yeah, high-pitched squeal. <laughs> high-pitched squeal.app. High-pitched squeal. Turns out wildly popular, and you are, you're the product designer on it, versus, uh-huh. I don't know, an app that uh, gives everyone sort of like digital kisses from puppies. Okay, all right. But the, but the team is filled with people who hate dogs, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> Now this is a true would you rather because neither is a good choice. Well, I, that that was the other funny thing about this poll is how many people replied and were like, neither of these things would happen. I'm like, that's the point. Like any would you rather is yeah. about pitting two horrible decisions next to each other and just having to figure out which trade-off is the worst. And yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're doing a would you rather, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a, a troll poll, if you will. <laughs> oh, man. Got to pay the troll toll to read the troll poll. All right. Uh, that's follow-up. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we got a fun main topic today, Marshall. This this is a listener question from Luke Seeley on GitHub. Opened an issue with just the funniest title. I had to put it on our agenda for today. Okay. Title, what do full-time designers actually do all day? Uh-huh. <laughs> Love it right away. Yep. Uh, Here's some context. Luke says, I've worked as a designer in the industry for over a decade, usually straddling development, support, management, direction duties at the same time. 
I've now got a full-time design-only job, and I honestly don't know how designers fill their days without dipping into one of those areas I mentioned above or conducting ongoing user research. I imagine part of the issue for me is how I've effectively been a part-time designer this whole time, learning how to make the most of my time in Figma, Sketch, and Photoshop over the years. For instance, I don't bother with pixel perfection, instead focusing on solid system design, my relationships with developers, and PRing my own detail work from time to time to avoid polished tasks. What does PRing mean? And also, there's no such thing as a... Oh, pull requesting my own detail. Okay. And avoid tedious, quote-unquote, polished tasks. There's no such thing as, quote-unquote, polished. You sound like an engineer. (laughs) There just is polish. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's part of the thing. It's part of the whole thing. It's the thing. Um, So sounds like Luke transitioned from not doing design full-time to now the expectation is that he designs full-time. And he's like, what the fuck do I do with my hands? Yeah. Well, also he's saying, I'm just so damn efficient with my time. I have so much time left over at the end of the day when I'm just doing my design work. That's what it sounds like, right? Maybe, yeah. Which, okay. I'm jealous. (laughs) uh, Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's something to be said about that, which is like, hey, you can like do your work and like not go on Twitter all day and just like get shit done and Mm -hmm. you will end up working like five hours a day. Uh It's like pro tip. (laughs) Uh, but I thought, I thought a fun way we could answer this is like, tell me about your day. Cause I know for a fact that you do not show up to work at 9am open Figma. And then at 5pm you close Figma and you say, ah, that was a solid day's design work. (laughs) Dust my hands off. Yeah. Yeah. Another one in the can. So uh, accounting for the fact that days are different, weeks are different. Maybe give me like a high level overview of what it means for you to be a full-time designer. Oh, man. Uh, I go to a lot of meetings, Brian. (laughs) You should see my calendar. Oh, boy. I don't want to. Um, I'm in meetings a lot of the time. But, like, I'm very central in my role, which means uh, I collaborate on basically everything that I do. It involves other teams uh, across the company. So my current day-to-day does not really reflect what a full-time designer does, but I can remember back when I was a full-time designer. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that. So still a lot of meetings, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, depending on your position, how many projects you're working on, you're going to be collaborating with engineers and, you know, making sure that everybody's in line with each other. So that just means a lot of meetings. That's pro- that was probably half my time. But I I spent a lot of my time doing edge cases like, you know, it's like an 80-20 thing, right? Where 20% of the time you spend working on this stuff is like 80% of the flows that people will see, Mm, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But 80% of the time you spend working on stuff is like 20% of the flows that people will see. So it's all those edge cases and weird like error states and shit. And like that's that just requires so much back and forth with engineers to find out, you know, what the call and response is going to be like and what kind of things we can actually say to them and do and collaborating with writing to make sure that you're using the right verbiage and everything. So depending on what you're working on, the complexity of it, you could be spending a lot of time actually designing, but it's not the stuff. You've already figured out the main shit. Mm, mm-hmm. What about you, Brian? I'm scrolling back through my calendar to just try and like orient myself on what a typical week might look like. And, yeah. you know, I think that there's something true here that it goes for most people who do creation work, like individual contributor work. So engineering would fit into this as well, in my opinion, is at best, I think you should hope for like 
three hours a day of like uninterrupted pixel design time. Mm -hmm. And like, if you get three uninterrupted hours of that consecutive, like you're ahead of the curve. Like most people do not have that. Mm -mm. Um, I I take a sip of a half an hour here and there when I can. Yeah. So I I think right out, out of the gate, like having any sort of preconception that like a full-time designer spending eight hours a day in Figma, it's just, it's not true. So what is the other time being filled up with? And looking at my schedule, it generally is, uh, of course, meetings, but the meetings are really about orienting our work in relation to other teams' work and just keeping each other up to date on the status of things that are happening, which comes back to what you're saying. Like, okay, we're 80% of the way through this project, and now we're moving on to like all the edge cases and flows and error states, and, like all the stuff that we just have to implement. So, you know, I might have a lot more one on ones with the engineer who's doing the implementing, and we just screen share. Or, or they send me a build and we just like poke at things and say like, ah, this is slightly wrong, this is slightly wrong and like nitpick mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, conversely, like it might be a kickoff week and you spend the, the majority of that week really talking with your engineers about the scope of the thing, clarifying exactly how things should work, what we're trying to accomplish, uh, writing specs and PRDs and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I think that would be one thing. Well, you reminded me of something that I spend time doing every day, Brian, which is writing down what I'm doing every day. Um, mm. I I keep a daily, not journal, but basically journal of, of everything that I did that day. And I keep links to stuff. That's kind of my go-to document to go back to when I'm like, hey, what was that Figma file that somebody sent me a few days ago? And they're talking about that thing. I don't have to search for it in Chrome. I can actually go back to my document and just find the blue link, right? It's also great for perf at the end of the cycle. Yeah, you can that's go good. back yeah. through and just go, oh, yeah, here's all the things I worked on. And here's links to all those things that I mm-hmm. that I documented contemporaneously. But that's a decent chunk of the day is like after every meeting, I'm like, OK, met with these people. Here's the outcomes. Here's an AI I have to do. Wow, dude, that's a really good habit. That's impressive. I wish I was that organized. It's been very hard to maintain. Like yeah. it's a constant struggle, but I'm happy I've done it at the end of every day when I look at the list and go, oh, yeah, that was my day. And it's like seven or eight bullet points. And and I know I have it documented. And even if I forget it, I can get back to it. It's, yeah. it's a good feeling. Wow. Love it. Okay. Well, okay, here. Let, let me just add in a couple other things. So I think like talking to other designers on your team, this depends on your team structure, but like having critique and then just having time to socialize, shoot the shit, talk about what you're building, brainstorm ideas. So we have a weekly critique on Wednesday. It's just an hour. Uh, we don't do that much critique, but we usually scatter in just like random 30 minutes here, hour here of like, hey, I have this idea. I want to run it by you. Like, how does this work? I wish those happened more often. And a lot of times that happens with engineers, but like just getting excited about ideas with people. And I think mm-hmm. that blends nicely into like a good part of the week, especially with remote work happening now, is just trying to like maintain relationships with people. So I have. Every week I have a one-on-one with a couple people on my direct team. I have a one-on-one with my manager and I have a couple one-on-ones with people on other teams and uh, other people in design leadership. I'll have like, you know, every other week I'll meet with like a director or something like that. Just, just talk to people and like tell them what you're doing, ask them what they're doing, like see if you guys overlap on anything that would be fun to work on together, but really just like trying to maintain relationships. Like, Hey, these are all people. We're all not just like plugging in for eight hours a day to, chug out work we're going to be able to build things more effectively and we're going to like each other doing it if we actually get to know one another talk to each other about our problems in our days so i would say that's you know a few hours a week and all this adds up like if you say 40 hours a week that's like 10 percent of your time right there 
that last point you made about one-on-ones is really interesting. Something I've noticed that is super counterintuitive, and maybe this is tangential, but uh, during quarantine, I feel like I've gotten way closer with all of my teammates than I ever did when we were working in the same office. Do you feel the same way? No, I feel the opposite. I feel oh. like I've I've lost touch with so many people who would go to the office otherwise. Hmm. Well, the reason I say so is because... I am in video chats with all these people many times a day and I see them in their house, right? And I could, you know, see, see the background. They can see the background of my house, right? And they move around to different rooms and, you know, you see the family members, like, you know, their children will come in and say hi or whatever. And like, I, I feel like yeah, I've gotten yeah, to know everybody's yeah. families and like everyone's become way more humanized now that I can see them in their element at home. And, you know, we're... We have more time before meetings start because we're giving more leeway for people to show up. So like people end up just chatting for five minutes at the beginning of every meeting. And you grow closer with people when you learn about what they're up to every day and actually see them in their real space rather than in work mode at work, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think I agree. Yeah, get to know people in their home, like see their family and you have just more and more video calls. But I'm missing that like just hanging out a little bit. And I had this a little bit in New York too, but even in New York, I had teammates that I would go into the co-working space once a week and just like be next to each other, even if we weren't talking much, just like being next to each other. I think there is something to be said about that. So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm pro remote all the way, but (laughs) I feel like there has been this element of like, we have to very deliberately schedule time to just be social with each other. Otherwise it'll never happen. Like we will not talk about anything other than work and so like ha- we have like a team water cooler for half an hour every day and just like shoot the shit. That kind of stuff is important, I think. Mm. I have a weekly meeting with a bunch of colleagues where we share video links and it's like the best half hour of the week usually. <laughs> just like That's fun. The best of YouTube curated by YouTube employees. I've discovered so many cool things from, from that meeting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell me if if this just makes me sound really lazy or not. But the way I think about it is I, I want to have my weeks planned at about 80% capacity mm-hmm. because I want flex time to spend an extra hour on this one thing that we're working on that I really care about or spend that extra hour meeting with somebody new on a new idea or spend an extra hour not working and disconnecting and trying to think high level about other stuff. Like there's other things that are important that will influence what you're working on. Like exploring other applications like go fucking read a design book like catching up with people on the internet that don't necessarily work at the same company like i factor all that into like a little bit of weekly slack time one i think Mm -hmm. that's healthier especially with everything going on Mm -hmm. but i think if you put everyone at 100 percent, operating at 100 percent, you miss out on a lot of opportunities for like spontaneous ideas serendipitous sort of discoveries within your own product of new things that could be tried new things you could build so I always want a little bit of slack time. And, and you know, that mm-hmm. could manifest in other ways too. Just like, oh, hey, I, I got an hour. I'm going to go tidy up the Figma file. The equivalent would be an engineer having an hour and like, oh, I'm just going to knock out like a quick bug, right? Mm-hmm. And if you are filled to capacity, that will never happen. So, right. yeah, that's my perspective on it anyways. What do you think? Yeah, uh, to that point, I think it's good to have a backlog of items that you know how long they'll take or you have a good idea of how long they'll take so that you don't, jump into a four hour project when you only have a half an hour to do it. Like if I only have an hour, I should, I should work on something that I can get done in an hour. So like having a a good grasp on your to-do list and the estimated time for each task is pretty important. I think just to maybe wrap up Luke's question, I feel like there's something to be said and it sounds like you're 
doing this really well, Marshall, just about trying to figure out like what are the highest value things you can be doing throughout your day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that might not add up to eight hours in a day. It might be like two or three things that you just got to get done and you happen to get them done earlier. And like, you don't need to fill the rest of your time. Like that's just pointless. But like being more intentional about these three things are really important. These five things are kind of important. I could do them or not. Like we'll see. But these three things, I have to get them done this week because they're really important. Like even Mm -hmm. just having that sort of distinction feels like a good way to figure out how you want to spend your time. And it doesn't necessarily mean like that's the opposite of figuring out how you're going to fill 40 hours, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and and the better you are at prioritizing your projects, the more autonomous you will appear to your managers, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. always a good thing. <laughs> I think uh, one last one last point to make. Um, one thing I've started doing is on Friday evenings or like Friday at the end of the day, uh, when everybody's kind of wound down from the week, I have set up some jams with people to just like mess around and like do stuff not thinking about the work of the week but just like play around with future stuff i found that's a nice way to go into the weekend is like not being encumbered by the the constraints of the daily job this is something that i feel like our team has slipped on just with the pandemic and everything and i we're trying to reboot it this idea of we need to just get everybody on a call for an hour to just shoot the shit but in a related to the product right like right. It's not water cooler, but it's also not like we have to build this. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, what what could we do? What should we try? Uh, yep. We did a hackathon this last week, just uh, like a two-day hackathon, just like let people go nuts. And interesting ideas come out of that. And I think that time is super important, yeah. especially, yeah, going into the weekend. What a great way to, to wrap up. I love it. Mm-hmm. And then it gets your mind going throughout the weekend. You start thinking stuff. And then by the time Monday rolls around, you're like stoked to get back into it. You know? Sure, sure. All right. Well, hopefully this was helpful, Luke. Yeah. Sounds like Luke already had his shit together pretty well anyways. but Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're already doing like support, management, user research, like I, those are all important things. Maybe other listeners, do you have other strategies for spending your time in the week, prioritizing, figuring out how, how you're going to work on the most important things? We'd love to hear. Tweet at us, Design Details FM. You know, we're just two people and there's lots of ways to work. So we'd love to hear other ideas. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Cool things, Marshall? Cool things. You go first. Okay. This week I'm going to plug an app, which has been around for a while, but recently released a V2 and it's called Cocoon. In fact, did I plug the V1 at some point? Maybe. Anyways, it relaunched as a V2 this week and there's a lot of really wonderful little touches. Anyways, Cocoon is an app for small group communication. It's like an app designed to have very small rooms with very specific people. And the benefit of having that curated small group means you can plug in different kinds of data and have different kinds of interactions with people that you might not have on like a Twitter DM or even iMessage where iMessage, you know, you get messages from your family, but you also get messages from coworkers and then and randos and like delivery services and stuff. So it's really specific to close friends, family, that kind of thing. And it has a lot of cool stuff that it does in the background. Like you can basically give it permissions for all sorts of different APIs. One would be like your location, but you can also plug in some of your health stuff. So like it'll passively share, you know, Brian is at work, Brian's at home. Not as relevant these days, but like <laughs> if we are traveling, uh, you can like send a flight number to the group and it'll passively sort of send updates as you as the flight departs, as it lands. So your group will know like, oh, 
Ryan was on this flight, departed, landed. Cool. Like I get these updates out, me having to text everybody that I landed. That's cool. So that's kind of cool, but it's really wonderfully designed. Like there's a lot of cool interactions and I've just had a, a lot of fun this week poking around. So that's why it's my cool thing this week. I think finding cool apps to just poke at and learn from is worthwhile. So it's called Cocoon, link in the show notes, but I'd recommend people check it out. And I'm using it for a couple small groups, mostly just testing. It's really, really hard to break the muscle memory of like an iMessage group or a WhatsApp group, which is what I have with uh, most of my sort of small groups. But yeah, Cocoon, worth a try. Cool thing. Okay, Uh, my cool thing is kind of temporally relevant. So are you familiar with a band by the name of Rage Against the Machine, Brian? I know the band. I know one song from The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, okay. I know nothing about them. So oh, anymore. wow. Okay. So uh, back when I was a wee tot in the 90s, there was this band <laughs> uh-huh. called Rage Against the Machine. And they were coming up right around the time that there was a lot of, well, I guess it's kind of been constant, but there's a, a huge uh, the LA riots and like uh, Rodney King, right? And they're kind of like a, a social justice band. Uh, they've been fighting. They're very political. And they've, I mean, the, the name of the band Rage Against the Machine is about like fighting the system, right? So what's been a very fun little pastime for me. Oh, you know that one of my favorite things to do on YouTube is watching people react to things that I already love, uh-huh. right? I do know this is your pastime. Yeah. Okay, so so uh, apply that to this, which is uh, black creators watching Rage Against the Machine for the first time and realizing that this like kind of metal band from like the late 90s is actually, one, has a lead singer, Zach De La Rocha, that can fucking spit, and two, was saying things that are totally relevant to today, you know, 20 years ago. So I've been having a lot of fun watching that and like having people grow to love Rage Against the Machine and realizing like, oh, this is a really awesome social minded band that uh, introduced an entire generation of kids to what the perversion of power can do, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, Rage Against the Machine. Well, drop, drop, a, drop a couple links to um, some of those like reaction videos and we'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, maybe I'll just drop a search link in because you could be like Rage Against the Machine first time reaction and, and get a bunch of them. So, oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool thing. Well, this has been episode 362. We hope you enjoyed it. I think I'm losing my voice at the end of this, so I'm going <laughs> to stop talking ASAP. Okay. Tweet at us. We're at Design Details FM. If you've been enjoying the show and want to support us, head to patreon.com slash design details. And of course, before you go, go to designdetails.fm slash webflow to learn more about Webflow. If you go to that link, just click around. Their website is freaking gorgeous. They have so much to just explore in terms of features, but you can also find examples of things people are building with Webflow. But of course, that link will also get you 10% off if you decide to sign up. Webflow gives designers the power of code in a visual interface, and it's going to let you build exactly what you have in mind. No engineer required. So that's designdetails.fm slash Webflow. Thank you again, Webflow, for making this episode possible. And with that, we'll see you next week. G-O-O-D-B-Y-E, Brian. G-O-O-D-B-Y-E, Brian. G-
W. No, G double O D. Oh, and I said G W O D. I was like, Quad, Quad by, <laughs> Quad by, Quad by. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>